0: Today's episode of Lone Star Lawyers on the Varsity Podcast Network is brought to you by Varsity Search. Varsity Search builds great teams by connecting lawyers in Texas with career opportunities at small and boutique law firms. So if you're thinking of making a move or your law firm is looking to hire, please go to varsitysearch.com and book a time to visit right into my calendar. Varsity Search, building great teams. Hey everyone, Daniel here back with you on Lone Star Lawyers. Before we get started, I want to let you know about a few of the opportunities that we are currently searching for, looking for a briefing attorney with a high-profile plaintiff's firm, as well as another briefing attorney at a commercial litigation firm. Uh, both of those are in Dallas, as I said, some construction litigation in Dallas, as well as just general civil litigation and trial work uh, at another firm. So uh, a lot of litigation happening in Dallas. Also, there is a, a corporate position in Dallas and uh, real estate as well. So if you have any interest in those, let me know. In Waco, uh, happy to uh, have some opportunities here in Waco to share. We have an insurance defense opportunity. Uh, opportunity, as well as an IP and commercial lit opportunity, as well as just general civil litigation. So three different firms in Waco looking right now, which is exciting uh, for me, especially uh, being here uh, Houston. I've uh, got construction litigation, real estate as and civil litigation, general civil litigation. Uh, and then in uh, Austin, we've got family law as well as construction litigation. So a lot of opportunities all over the state. If any of those sound of interest to you, or maybe someone you know, uh, would love to hear from you. So please do reach out. All right, today we are in Waco here where our guest is Kristen Miner. Kristen is an estate planning and probate attorney and a partner with Naaman Howe, Smith & Lee. She's board certified in estate planning and probate and has been a Texas Super Lawyers rising star each of the past four years. She's also a board member of the Heart of Texas Estate Planning Council and an adjunct professor at Baylor Law School. All right, with that, let's hop into our conversation with Kristen Miner on today's Monday Mentors episode of Lone Star Lawyers. Kristen Miner joins us right now. Kristen, thanks so much for taking time to come on the show with us.
1: Sure, thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, let's hop in and uh, tell people what it is that you do and what your firm does, and let's start there.
1: All right. So I'm at Naaman House Smith and Lee. Uh, we have offices in Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, and Waco. The office that firm actually originated in Waco and then expanded out from there. Um, we are a firm where kind of everybody specializes in something. There's not a lot that we can't do. Um, we have people who specialize in real estate and business. And then I specialize specifically in estate planning and probate. Um, I also do a lot of business work. So I will say my bread and butter client is the one who um, who has high net worth. But then a lot of that is because of a closely held business. And so you end up in... Um, right you have to deal with both of them at the same time. It's not really a two different roles because if you plan for the business without planning for this plan, it just kind of doesn't really work. So that's what I do. I've been, yeah. um, I got board certified in estate planning and probate as early as I could. I think you have to practice it's five years after you've, um, been, well, you have to practice for five years. Yeah.
0: So what about, um, some of the, like latest developments in your practice area in estate planning, probate, or maybe even on the business side, um, that you're dealing with or that your clients are dealing with, are there changes in, uh, with recent changes in, in the law at the state or federal level that are impacting you or, uh, what are you seeing right now?
1: Well, I mean, the law is always changing, right? Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) here we've got to check and see what they went in and and changed i won't say that there's any huge changes to like the state laws that have happened i mean not not really anything earth shattering just little things here or there that you just need to know about um but the bigger elephant in the room if you will is all the federal tax changes right um so a state is very much dealing with the estate tax exemption, the gift tax exemption, and the generation skipping transfer tax exemption, and then dealing with income taxes, all taxes. Um, and, you know, now we have a democratic controlled administration. And um, they proposed some legislation last year with I think it was a Build Better Act that would have turned a lot of what we do upside down. So we're kind of happy that didn't pass. But um, but now it's kind of written. So mm-hmm. it might just be a matter of time. To do that, And then that will change, you know, a lot of how we do estate planning and gift planning. Um, I mean, the big thing is the exemptions right now we're at an all time high and estate tax exemption is a little over 12 million per person. And that is scheduled to sunset basically that in half um, in 2026, effective January one, 2026. Okay. And so we've got a lot of, who see this as a window of opportunity to make a gift when they can, without a tax, they could eventually go away. So we're doing a lot of that, a lot of gift planning.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. As you see, and I I imagine this works both in both directions, but um, when you do have changes in the administration from Republican to Democrat, Democrat to Republican, and there are a lot of proposals that impact the tax code or the state tax specifically or whatever, do you, how do you wind up working through, um, clients that are, uh, are wanting to make changes on stuff that's being proposed or being offered, but you know, you never know, like you said, stuff's written and whether you make changes or not like to anticipate things that may never happen. And, um, how does that work in terms of just as a counselor to, to clients?
1: You know, it's tough. Um, I still work, Lawyers that I was hired by, and they're, you know, in their 60s and 70s. And honestly, between you and me, have a whole lot more time to read the Wall Street Journal and stay up to snuff on (laughs) things that are being proposed and discussed more so than I do. You know, I'm like, okay, I just need to make sure I know when it passes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, you know, it varies depending on what it is. So, like, for instance, with this proposed legislation about reducing the estate tax exemption early, I mean, we've done I have done a fair amount of gifting in the last um, year. I mean, I had a baby at 20 and during my maternity leave, I was helping clients because we were worried that um, they would do something very quickly once they all got into office um, in 2021. And so a lot of it just depends. You know, I have actually it it is funny that you ask that question because I think I've actually resigned myself to I can't plan for what I don't know. So we can have um and we can do our best to plan for the here and the now and then if it changes we're going to have to look at updating it you know i i think i've struggled a lot with uh when i sit down to meet with people i generally like to get them some documents that will work for the foreseeable future right so like mm-hmm. i plan to get a husband and wife with a couple kids who come in i and they even have little kids. I'm talking about their grandkids before we're done with the conversation, right? Because I'm thinking <laughs> I'm not 30-year-old wills, 40-year-old mm-hmm. wills. And so that, I think it's been more of a mental shift for me that I just can't do that because I don't know. I don't have the crystal ball. And there's a lot of people who end up in this kind of sweet spot where when the exemption is $12 million per person, we don't have a tax problem. But if the exemption is right. $6 million per person, we have a tax problem. And, you know, so, so what do we plan for? Um, I'll say in a lot of cases, I will default to planning for the tax, even though we don't have one, because that's better Mm -hmm. than sorry, if you will.
0: Yeah. More conservative route yeah, to take.
1: It's been very challenging. We've had lots of people call and ask questions. And and then I also, you know, we had clients who were reading the proposed legislation last year about how they were going to change all these trust tools that we use for estate planning. And, uh, I had to finally tell a client, I said, I don't know what we'd do. I mean, I don't know what we would do because it it changes everything. I mean, we would literally like <laughs> estate planners everywhere would have to start reinventing the wheel, right? Because a lot of the tools we use right. are being used for decades um, that someone smarter than I thought of. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. It's a moving target. Like I sometimes wonder why did I go into a field where my target was constantly moving and I was never going to be able to.
0: Because
1: it's <laughs> been moving since I graduated. I started in 2010 when there was no estate tax. And then right came back for two years, it sunsetted again at the end of um, 2012. And I vowed to never work as many hours as I did in December of 2012 again. Uh, so far. <laughs> I think I did it one other month and lived, like a decade. Um, but it's very hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, thanks for that. And uh, also, talk a little bit about just practicing in. Waco and, um, in the, within the local bar, I mean, I know it's, it's different from the litigators who have to go against each other and maybe from bar to bar, that's different. Um, what about from like a business lawyer side of things? Uh, what is it like to, to practice here in Waco?
1: I think we have a great community. I mean, we just do it. You've got your stick in the mud, but I mean, every place does right. And I'm sure some people would think I'm a stick in the mud and that's okay. But, um, this is a great place to work. I mean, very friendly lawyers, competent lawyers. Um, gosh, I mean, I don't even know what else to say. It's just, it is, it's a great place. I will say from my specific area of the law, there's a lot of money here. And I don't think, I think that surprised me. I was (laughs) like, oh, yeah. And it's just, it's old, you know, it's, it's just mm-hmm. generation to generation. And, and, and I personally am really grateful that those people keep that money here. Cause you know, you can go see a lawyer in Dallas, you yeah. can go see a lawyer in Austin. Yeah. Um, and so that, that is to me kind of a huge honor that I've been able to get these clients, um, here in Waco. Yeah, But it's, this. I'm never leaving. <laughs> that's,
0: that's uh, <laughs> when you're doing the, business side of your practice so the like transactional side of your practice or 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 whatever um do you wind up uh, or or on like on the deal side or anything like that is is that also a lot of the client base working here in waco or in that situation are you working in partnership with attorneys from other parts of the state or even the the country um when there's business deal like that kind of thing
1: so that's definitely a different animal um some of it's here yeah you know some of a lot well, some of what I do is actually working with my partners from other offices, right? So like I'll right, help yeah. business, somebody in Austin, but I got to them through my Austin partner. Um so I've done that quite a bit. I will say, um I do a lot of work for those small communities around here. Yeah. So I've got a lot of clients in Corsicana, Teague, Fairfield, um, Hamilton. Hillsboro, (laughs)
0: Because, you know, we're a big
1: city. (laughs) Right.
0: West comma Texas, as Professor Featherston likes to say.
1: That's right. So yeah, I mean, transactional is kind of just, it depends on the need, really. So a lot of the business stuff that I do isn't so much. So sometimes it involves like restructuring or it involves the business as it pertains to the estate plan. So maybe more business succession planning is kind of how I should say it. So conversation with a partner in Austin today about a client that she has. And, um, you know, and I told her, I said, it's really twofold. It's the estate plan to make sure that we get assets where they need to be. And we've got the right people in charge and we're doing all that the way it should be. And then it's the business piece where it's, what company documents or what governing documents do we need or agreements do we need to put in place with the other owners, if there are any, or, you know, for the kids when they get it, right? Um, you know, what do we right. need to do from a business standpoint to make sure that it all kind of functions the way that it needs to? So really, that's more of the business work that I do. And then, and then restructuring, gotcha. it usually always is in conjunction with the estate plan in some form or another. And like forming... Entities and structures for estate planning purposes, where like we'll form a limited partnership and get all that in place so that the parents can make gifts of the limited partnership interest to the kids or to their trust or things like that. Yeah. I always yeah. laugh. I say estate planning is an area where you have to know a lot about a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you were saying before, your firm, like they, you've got people that. Have, know a lot and do a lot of specific things in a lot of different areas at, at name and, how and, and 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 then, yeah, within estate planning, like you're saying, it, it, you do have to touch so many things. It reminds me, I was talking just the other day with a family lawyer and uh, that deals with more complex uh, you know, uh, uh, separations, divorces, that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, when there's multiple businesses and multiple pieces of real estate, commercial real estate, residential real estate, like Uh, family lawyers that are operating in that space are having to a lot of times know uh, maybe not a lot about all those pieces, but enough to be able to kind of navigate that, know when to go to you for some of it, know when to go to these, all that. And so it is interesting how some of these areas um, become like more, you have to know about more of them. Whereas other areas, you can just be super hyper focused and not really pay attention to what else is going on.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, it's, and then family law is a very good example. Um, where lots of moving parts and you've got to make sure that all the moving parts get put in the right place and are handled appropriately. And it may not be your, it may not be your area of expertise, but yeah, no, it's, it's a lot.
0: (laughs) I want to switch gears now and um, ask you about when you first got started uh, practicing, what's uh, something that you learned in the early uh, couple of, first couple of years of practice that uh, really helped you uh, and has stuck with you and, and is still part of how you practice today. Maybe a piece of advice or a piece of guidance or anything like that. So this
1: is actually pretty money because I didn't think about this earlier. But uh, so we discovered when I first started practicing that I did not have my grammar. Uh, my grammar sucked. <laughs> <What's that term? laughs> I know. So I was very fortunate. I got hired for estate planning. Like I got hired to come in and and if I worked out, I was going to be the transition person, right? They were going to start transitioning the work to me. So because of these attorneys vested interest in making sure that they could hand over their clients to someone they trusted to do a good job. I joke, I was like, I got my papers graded for almost three years. Um, I sat in on meetings I drafted documents for the other lawyer. He reviewed them. They always came back with a whole bunch of ink all over them. Um, And there were some very humble moments for me like, oh, wow. And I actually realized. Mm. So I switched schools. Um, I went from Texas to Arizona back to Texas in grade school. And I actually literally Mm. was never taught grammar. Like I actually learned that because I was like, how? How did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, on some of this stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, So I actually spent a lot of time learning about that and just little things that I didn't know and I should have known. Um, But I will say, so my mentors were amazing. I was a sponge. I listened to them. I learned from them. I pushed back when I kind of felt was appropriate to just let them know that there was more more than one way to skin a cat. And that I was still a human that should be respected. Not that they didn't respect me because they totally (laughs) did. But you know what I mean? Like, use, you know, parentheses around my area code instead of a slash. Oh, okay. You know, like little things, (laughs) little things like that. But I will say, I will say one thing that's funny. There were several things that they would do and I can't think of anything specifically, but I was like, Oh, that's ridiculous. That's a little over the edge and I'll be darned if later in my practice something didn't turn around and bite me in the rear and had I done it the way they told me to, it wouldn't have mm. been. And I had to go back and say, okay, I get it now. I should have done it that way. You know, I shouldn't have made it. Um, but just really learning, uh, learning from them. And I'll also say one thing that I did, a lot of my practice is drafting, right? I draft wills. I draft trusts, I draft letters. I, I write. Uh yep not like briefs and things, but just it's, it's very much drafting intensive. And I kept making the same mistakes and, and they would come back to me and say, no, you have to say it this way. And so finally I was like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. And so I started to make a list of all of the mistakes that I consistently made. And then before I would give something back to them, I would go through my list to make sure that I didn't make the same mistake again. And so, and, and you know, a long while I consulted my list. I have since handed it down to another, (laughs) another attorney who came to work with us. But um, yeah, just I don't know. I, I don't even remember what your initial question was, but learning from them and learning how, you know, like learning to compensate for yourself, I think was a big thing for me that just helped me you know, have the right habits and know how to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, and then I think you hit on something there that's been on my mind lately as well, which is just like the humility. Like I imagine that was a interesting first few years as you were dealing with that. And as lawyers and people that went to law school and did well and all that stuff. And we've basically, you know, uh, made good grades and all that stuff, you know, that, that uh, when you get to a place, especially at that level where they're okay, wait, you're not doing this right and it's a grammar school thing or, or a middle school thing or a high school thing it's like it fact i can only imagine what that would have felt like and i think all of us though have had something similar happen like that um it, maybe not grammar but something like that where it's it's it is humbling and uh and how we react to that though is is everything and how to move forward. And the way it sounds like you handled it was, was, was awesome. Uh, but I'm not sure everyone has (laughs) naturally the ability to do that. So uh, it takes effort to be that
1: It is humbling, but you also have to realize it's for the greater good of everybody. Right. And, and I mean, I have the best situation. Like if someone had asked me, you know, write out your future, the best way that you can see it happening. I couldn't have read it, written it as well as it just happened. Like, and so it just, I had someone there who wanted to teach me. They were taking the time to teach me. I'll say this, you know, if you have someone that's that vested in you, cause that doesn't happen a lot. Actually that happens rarely. I have now right. learned that I'm really kind of one in a million and how I was trained and taught as a lawyer. Um, but if you have someone who is willing to take that time and is willing to invest because that's what lawyers write, our time is money. Okay. Yep. And so if you have somebody who's willing to do that for you, you need to respect them and take, you know, heed their advice um, and really try to learn from it no matter how <laughs> humiliating it is, because at the end of the day, it's just they're They're just there trying to, make you a better person. And I don't know if you've ever, are you ever in this situation where you need to say something to somebody else, but you're like, Oh God, that's going to be such a hard conversation. I have like oh. on the end of having to say something that would humiliate someone else. Right.
0: I mean, like, Yeah. I'm reviewing resumes on a regular basis and telling people things that they don't want to really hear. Yeah. All the time.
1: So it's one of those things where also recognizing that it's not easy to be the person giving it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, so, uh, Since you had the, it sounds like, privilege of being well-trained and led while you were a young lawyer, I'm curious now, um, as you uh, observe and uh, work with uh, new associates that come into the firm, um, what are some ways that uh, those young lawyers can make a positive impression on you and the other folks at at your firm? What what are some ways that they can stand out in a positive way?
1: You know number one, I have to just say, I am not nearly as good as my mentors were. I'm just not. Time is money. And that is what I have the least of is time. Um, so I, I'm kind of pulling from my experience and working with some of the like summer clerks that we have,
0: um,
1: come work with us. I think one of the things that stands out to me the most, or that's I don't know that I'd be most impressed, but I'm very unimpressed when hmm. someone hadn't really thought about it. Right. I mean, guys, right. The internet literally at our fingertips. Okay. And we, um, I actually even did this in my, I taught, maybe it wasn't the last time I taught administration of estates and I yeah. had them prepare an inventory. And I think I wanted, I can't remember the specifics, but I think I wanted them to go look on the appraisal district website to see what the value was. Nobody did it. And and again, I'm kind of like, okay, what do they not know? Right. You forget what you didn't know once you learn it kind of a thing. But right. I I think the biggest thing for me is see if you can figure something out. See if you can, not to say that you shouldn't ask a question, but you should give something to someone where it looks like you have thought through it, right? Because you know, you can tell. I mean, you yeah. can tell yeah. when you receive something and someone was like, uh, and then they just submitted it or, or gave it to you, right? Versus somebody who really thought about it. And I have all four asked questions because I know you don't know. And I don't expect you to know, but I do expect you to try. And I do expect you to engage your brain and think about what you're doing. And I have been guilty of not doing that. I mean, my mentors have come to me and said, Hey, this this math doesn't even add up. Like, you should just think about that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys, yeah. You know, and um, so I think that's the thing that is not impressive, but then impressive at the same time. Um,
0: yeah. No, that- I, 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 absolutely. It, it's, it's fine. Like, given the example of, uh, when you teach the class, um, I, I had a similar experience. I, I teach sports law in the grad school, um, here as well. And so, uh, I will usually give an assignment, um, that's a group assignment, but, uh, this last time it was, uh, it was basically, a, a an issue around title IX and, uh, a situation in an athletic department uh, basic uh, around like participation opportunities and funding and all these different things. And so the, the students had to kind of go through and pick out the issues basically of where are there some imbalances or where are there some issues, things like that. And, um, you know, taking aside whether they were right or wrong from like a legal standpoint or an analysis standpoint, you could just tell, like, I, I think I had probably six or seven different groups that submitted papers, but you could just tell the level of, engagement and effort and engage like you were saying like using their mind like you can just tell like even if they didn't get it all like right necessarily it's not about that but you could just tell the effort level and time that they spent on it like it's just so clear uh one from the other and so I, i imagine it's the same when you're seeing some of the work that's being handed in either by students or by yeah summer clerks or whatever just like how much Effort, time, mental energy they well, put. Well, and into
1: I'll it. tell you this, it translates into your practice, right? Right. So that to right. me is why I look at it. Right. I um I think there are a lot of people, especially with estate planning, who treat it as a widget. It's not a widget. It never yep. should be a widget. It is something that is important and it's important whether it's a five hundred thousand dollar estate or a five hundred million dollar estate, right? Different levels of importance and different things are important depending on the size, but you know, I've had periods of time in my practice where I noticed myself kind of just pulling back a little where I was treating it more like a widget. And I bowed, I saw that happen and I was like, no. This is not about a widget, it's not about making money. This is about doing a good job.
0: Yeah. And
1: that is the best source of business that I have. Is I do a good job. And here I am 12 years later. And, hey, I got your name from this person. Hey, I got your name from this person. Hey, I've got these financial advisors. I mean, there's a financial advising company out of Lubbock that has sent me four 10 plus million dollar clients in the last year, right? You you take quality in your work and you don't treat it like a widget, you're going (laughs) to get more business. You know, I I will probate mom's will and then the kids are like, oh gosh, I don't have mine and that was really easy. Yeah. And then I do all the kids wills. (laughs) Right. And so, um, anyways, take pride in what you do, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and, and you, you, uh, you beat me to the punch on my next question, which was about business development and, and you may have just answered it. So feel free to just say that, or, um, maybe add a little something to it if you want. But, uh, I, I do think young associates often want to know how they should be thinking about business development at a, at an in their career or should their focus be on, you know, just becoming the best lawyer they can, um, or how do those go together?
1: Well, and I'm not sure that my answer is going to be great because I, you know, again, I got hired to be the transition lawyer. So I, um, I was handed a whole bunch of work and, and have never lacked for work, mm-hmm. yeah. but I, and it took a little while. It took a couple of years. I mean, I think two big things are do a good job and care about your work. Because if you do a good job, people are going to tell other people about you. It just will. Now, it'll take time. And depending on the area of practice, you may not hear from somebody for three years. <laughs> you know, it just depends. Right. And the other thing is get involved. I mean, I am involved. I had to I had to pull back on a lot of my commitments because I have kids now and they require care unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: they require a lot of time and effort. Um, I'm a glorified chauffeur. So, uh, I am involved in a few things, but what I'm involved in, not to say I go out of my way to make sure people know what I do, but everybody kind of knows Kristen's the lawyer, right? So then you've got this whole, I mean the gym, like everybody at the gym knows I'm a lawyer. Okay. So then hmm. when yeah. Hey, I've got this legal issue. Hey, is that? And I couldn't tell you how many people come up to me and they're like, "Oh gosh, I haven't." I, haven't, was, that, you? I was like, "Oh, yep, sure is." <laughs> and so a lot of it is do a good job, and you'll get referrals. Get out there in your community. Make sure people know what you do, and then you can do other things to go sell yourself. Um, I haven't done much of that, on honestly, just because I haven't needed to. But a good way for like in estate planning to do that is to offer to go speak to different groups. You know, every church can put together a small group of people for you to just talk to about estate planning. And and let me tell you, estate planning in particular or in particular applies to everybody. That's <laughs> there's a right. No right. person who doesn't need it. So um, you know, that's another way. And I think I I don't do a bunch of the business lunches with other people and and I there's a lot that I don't do that my partners do. Um but that has been a very good way to generate business for me. It's just doing a good job.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, clearly that that's sort of like uh, table stakes. You know, like if you're not doing a good job, then you can do all the other things that you want from a marketing or business development side. And your reputation in the work that you do is ultimately going to win out over that. People are going to know... How, how, what level of work you do. And so it's just, it's going to be, you, you know, so that's kind of like, you got to be doing that as a, as a, just, so
1: I care. I genuinely care. And I think that makes a big difference with a lot of people. Like today I had a very kind of off topic discussion with a client and, and we hugged when she left, like, <laughs> I mean, I genuinely care about humans. I genuinely... About
0: the people. Yeah, you're saying like about the clients, about their lives, about who they... All of that. Yeah.
1: Helping them kind of do what they need to get done. Um, And I think that's different for this area of the law than it would be for like a litigation practice or a personal injury practice. But for my area, that's huge. I mean, because I connect with people. I mean, there are lots of people that yeah. just make really significant marks on my life because we connect and we share something. And the process of doing this legal work, which kind of sounds silly now that I'm saying it out loud, but um, that it—I think that is it too. Like we all just kind of walk away from the relationship with a very warm and fuzzy feeling, and it makes
0: them friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, and, and I mean, for people that are still trying to figure out what area of practice they want to, you know, focus on, I mean, uh, I think that. The, that type of um, uh, experience that you're having there with your clients, I mean, it is a little bit unique to certain practice areas, or at least more prevalent in, a certain, in certain practice areas. And so if, 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 if uh, young lawyers are trying to figure out where they want to be, and that's an important part of uh, what they want out of their practice in their life, then I do think that should be relevant and maybe looking at estate planning and other areas that, that can generate that as opposed to maybe some that, that don't so much. And so uh, I think that's important to share and to know about for sure. I think
1: estate planning is a fantastic area of the law. It is, um, you know, my day compared to my partner's day who primarily focuses in litigation I mean our just our demeanors and our attitudes are just completely different because and and I have done I mean for several years there I had some pretty intense um trust litigation files now I'm not a litigator mm-hmm. so I was paired with a litigator for that expertise but they stress me out I mean that is and and There's no way I would want to do that. It it was entirely too much. Now, I think it was too much because I cared so much, right? So I actually think that my caring that helps me in my this was actually a really big disadvantage in my litigation when I did the litigious stuff. Um, I'll still help, but that's stressful. The distinct planning is wonderful. I mean, from the standpoint of You have very few deadlines. You kind of get to set your own schedule as far as your own deadline, you know, when you get things done and it's just generally a pretty happy practice. And I can, I mean, it can be a very profitable practice. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to get a third cut of a huge personal injury suit, but you know, there's a lot.
0: Right. But that's kind (laughs) of a, yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Last topic before we let you go, so we're running out of time. Um, I do want to ask you about hiring. And so when you are and when the firm, when 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 you're looking to bring in a new lawyer and and most of the folks that we're talking to here are, um, you know, have been out maybe for a couple of years. So on like kind of the lateral hiring side, what are some things that are important to you? Uh, in looking at either a candidate's resume or in the interview setting, what are, what are some things that are, that stand out for you and that you're really looking for?
1: Okay. If I'm going to be honest, I don't look at many resumes yes. and that's just yes. because it, it gets reviewed <laughs> by somebody before me. Um, I don't put a whole lot of weight to what's on the paper. And the reason I don't is because my resume didn't look all that great. Right. I I still graduated with honors. I had a high GPA. I wasn't on law review. I wasn't in the top whatever. Um, and I was the same way graduating from college. And I was the same way graduating from high school. Um, but I am one fine lawyer. I'll tell you that. And the people I interviewed with in town, I wish they'd <laughs> hired me. And so I don't believe that what is on paper is necessarily always indicative of the person. Okay. And we tend to put this weight on... Yeah. whatever percent, or they should be in this, or they should have this GPA. And I'm like, you know, guys, I don't know. I don't know that that's really how we should measure people. Right. Cause whatever. So, uh, okay. So I don't really end up reviewing a, a lot of the resumes. I typically get involved um, when it comes to the interviewing part. So I'll yeah. look for in there. And for that, it's, it's personality is honestly probably one of the biggest things for me. Like, are you a person that um, I want to practice with? Because, you know, you bring someone in under their fold, they're a, they're a representation of your firm. Um, are they personal, easy to talk to? Do you think they're going to get good business? Because a lot of times people who are personal, yeah. plugged in tend to generate more business, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I care about experiences. I care about what no... Um, but I think one of the biggest things for me is personality. And then I let that, I let everybody else figure out all the hiring stuff. So I'm really not good at that answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but no, it's, Hey, listen, uh, as you say that, and yet at the same time, I was just talking with a candidate this morning and we were talking about how, these interviews, uh, that he was about to go, uh, on a zoom interview and that it really is a lot of times, especially in small and mid-sized firms, um, about, you know, personality, about fit within the firm, about whether they want to practice with you and you with them. And that a lot of times the decision has been made based off of, you know, resume and writing samples and other things as to whether you can actually do the work. That part's sort of already decided you're in the room talking, to them in an interview because they think you can do the work, and it's just a matter of do they want to do the work with you or not? Yeah, <laughs> and that's true. Um, so
1: and you know, don't be discouraged if you don't look that great on paper. I mean, I know it's harder to garner people's attention. Um, and actually, so funny story because we knew we we knew well. I came to Baylor knowing I wanted to stay in Waco, and so I remember saying midway through law school to Aaron, my husband. I was like, gosh, it's a real shame that I can't specialize in this estate planning and probate stuff because I think I'm I think it'd be really good at it. I did the concentration um, when I was there with Tom Featherston. Yeah. which was great. Highly recommend if yeah. you want to go into this area. But
0: uh Yep. as did I. <laughs> yeah.
1: But then yep. I so I get out and honestly, I don't even look for a job as an estate planning lawyer. For some reason in my mind, I just decided that wasn't what you did in a little city or mid-sized city or whatever you want to call Waco. Um, and so I interviewed with a couple of the firms here. One of them was definitely a pity interview. Like, well, will just talk to her with no intention of having, which <laughs> is fine. Um, whatever made them feel better. And then I'm meeting with, so Greg White was actually at the firm at the time. And then he was an adjunct. So that's how I'd known him and got in. Well, they had already agreed to hire Joe Rivera and he was going to start the same week that I was looking to start. Cause he graduated earlier, but he had clerked for a year and well, pal's hmm. never, I mean, since I've been there in 12 years, they haven't hired two associates at the same time. And so right. I was like, okay. Um, and then Greg just off the cuff says, well, by, by chance are you interested in estate planning and probate? I was like, yeah, what do you got? You know? And and then we went down this avenue of these two lawyers who really wanted to find someone to transition their work. And so I interviewed more so with them to see if we were a fit. Um, and like I said, it worked out perfectly. But yeah. what we did then was we, my husband and I made a concerted effort to contact anybody and everybody that we knew who knew someone who worked in email. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. And you know, if you know the city and you know the town, do it. So I can only imagine that they were sitting at firm lunch talking about, do we hire this Kristen minor person? And someone's like, well, I heard from so-and-so that she was a nice lady. And I heard from so-and-so that she should, I heard from here, I heard from here. Well, why not? Let's give it a shot. And so I do think in some regards, like you need it, it. You hear the saying, it's not about what you know, it's about who, you know, that is so incredibly true a lot of the times. And so to the extent you have some connection, um, I would, you know, try to take advantage of it. But anyways, that's that. That's how I hired.
0: (laughs) No, for sure. Well, uh, Kristen, I just want to thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. And I know uh, we've been talking for a while and your schedule is crazy busy. So I'm so thankful that you were able to come on and do this with us. And um, we've got some rapid fire questions to close out. If uh, you're ready, then we'll hop into those.
1: Okay. See how I do.
0: <laughs> All right. Name the one trait or characteristic that you most want to see in an associate.
1: The ability to use their brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. All right. What habit has been key to your success?
1: Keeping my time every day.
0: Yeah. Do you have any... Uh, well, I I'm see I'm getting ahead of myself on the questions. Favorite app or productivity tool? Maybe it's a timekeeping tool. I don't know. I'll leave it to you.
1: I... I no, all of the apps I use are counterproductive to my productivity. So I got...
0: Nothing <laughs> yeah. I Andrew Tegel said Twitter, Twitter on, on here. here. And I think specifically it was an unproductive tool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what would you list first in the interest section of your uh, resume?
1: Oh, gosh. I think it'd be a tie between mothering cooking and lounging <laughs> That's gonna be in a
0: what's your favorite thing to cook
1: oh i have become so i've started doing this low carb thing and i've become a nut with yep. like low carb protein sparing bread and trying to make it this way and trying to do it this way and like modifying waffle recipes so it's low carbs and higher in protein for my kids i'm just I struggle with some anxiety <laughs> and I think that's coming yeah. out in the cooking. Like I want to love what I eat. I'm just, I learned a bunch of stuff this last fall about foods and how bad some of them are. And so just trying to clean up all that stuff. Yeah. I now, I don't want to go out to eat. I want to stay at home and cook. So I'm a like running a mixer three times a week. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Um, all right, last one. I, I know you're ready for this. Favorite legal movie?
1: I So I honestly cannot even think of a legal movie right now. I've watched a whole bunch of legal shows, none of which I can think of. This-
0: you can use a show. Yeah, people have used shows before. That's a fair answer.
1: Okay, so what I've watched recently, Bull, that one's kind of fun, except the early, the later season didn't catch me. The earlier ones I thought were kind of funny, like where he pulls the jurors. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Okay, he they have whatever. They have this thing where they like track the jurors and see which way they're going and whatever. It's kind of silly. Gotcha. It is silly. Say that out loud. I will say my favorite movie, even though it's not, really, is The Case for Christ. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Ah. It's uh um, yeah. Strobel. It's yep, a, Lee It's yeah,
0: this hmm Sure.
1: I uh I probably watch it. I watch it a lot. Especially when I don't have to pay attention to it because it's I know it <laughs> so now like, you know it. The- yeah.
0: Sort of background. Yeah. Um, have you, have you got into chosen? I haven't yet, but I have it on the kind of the list.
1: No, but you know what? A partner told me I needed to, and I completely forgot about it until you just said, it. I'm going to write it down.
0: There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Kristen, again, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And, uh, we're just, uh, grateful for you coming on and wish you and your firm all the best. Thank you. All right. My thanks again to Kristen Miner for joining us on the show today. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider doing two things for me? Would you subscribe so you don't miss an episode? And would you rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen? If you have suggestions or thoughts about the show, if I could help you in any way, you can email me directly, daniel at varsitysearch.com. Also, don't forget if you're interested in any of the opportunities that I mentioned at the top of the show, or you just want to visit about the market or what might be out there for you, just in general, would love to talk to you and uh, see if we can help you out. All right, that's it for today's episode of One Star Lawyers. Thanks again so much to each of you for listening. I'm Daniel Hare with Varsity Search, and we'll talk with you next time.